0: Welcome, one and all, to Strange New Worlds, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial Star Trek podcast. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete.
1: Handling frequencies are open. Whatever tweaks your freak, pal. Strange New Worlds, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 103, Ghosts of Illyria, comes to you now via light-traveling virus.
0: News from the fleet for this episode leaves orbit Pete from this galaxy to another one. We will be talking the official Fantastic Geek Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, preview coming uh, in the next couple of days ahead of the two-episode premiere on Friday, May the 27th.
1: Yes, uh, the episode due to be shown at Star Wars Celebration the night before the 26th. To my understanding, the two-episode premiere has not been shown to anyone outside of the company. And then, remembering too, we'll be halfway through this super limited event series uh, by the following Wednesday, June 1st. Uh, the third episode. There's there's a big cameo, Matt, in the third episode. They're not really keeping quiet on anyway uh is that boss Nass, Nass who's that, breathing has only got,
0: is is that breathing the ball bo- that of boss Nass, who's only uh gotten heavier <laughs> with age oh boy i can't wait as for our schedule pete part of the reason that star trek has stayed on star trek sundays despite the fact that there's this little window where it's the only thing that we're podcasting for a couple of weeks uh, we will be podcasting Kenobi on Star Wars Saturdays, uh, so there will be a little, little bit of giddy up there. If you want to get your thoughts in from the Friday premiere of Kenobi one and two, uh, you know it'll probably be be the Saturday morning our time or so that we'll be podcasting those first two episodes of Kenobi. Uh, and indeed, that Star Wars Saturday spot will remain once uh, the series. Uh, has its Wednesday, you know, its normal Wednesday spot the following Wednesday, June the 1st.
1: Thank goodness that's a uh, long weekend, Matt, now that we know that the Stranger Things four first block of episodes of a nine-episode season is seven episodes in that first weekend. Yes, they're holding just two back for July.
0: Pete? Pete? Stranger Things, a show that we do not podcast, got to be a civilian for some things, okay? Got to come home after flying <laughs> the, the podcast jets to something, um, but definitely look forwarding, look forwarding, looking forward to just this you know mountain of of lovely content, much of which we're podcasting, uh, a little bit of which we are not, and indeed, Pete, once that calendar turns over to June, uh, that is, is, of course when Ms. Marvel will be uh, arriving, not June the first, but June the eighth, a week later. Uh, It'll be arriving on Disney+, and uh, we have the honor of attending the Ms. Marvel panel uh, at the Paley Center in New York City. That'll be uh, in the second week of June as well, so can't wait to see some cast and crew up close, hear questions, get answers, that sort of thing.
1: Yes, we'll be bringing you our final preview on that in the next little bit, and really looking forward to incorporating uh, the appearance of the cast uh locally uh for that first podcast episode
0: and lastly as we turn things back to the star trek universe pete each week i enjoy that little star trek logo more and more reminding us there's a unified star trek universe Uh, our picard season two wrap remains available on the pop culture podcast feed and on the dedicated picard feed uh and pete i think that was one of our more energetic podcasts as we we talked about the highs maybe a couple of misses i won't call them lows uh but certainly the experience of star trek picard season two
1: with just one season left and probably the next piece of live action entertainment to stream after strange new worlds a lot of speculation as well so get over to either the picard uh, podcast feed by Fantastic Geek, or catch that on our Pop Culture podcast, which brings you everything we do.
0: With that, let's head into the mission briefing.
1: First officer's log, star date twelve twenty four point three. Some more hanky panky with time there, Matt. The Enterprise arrives at Hedimit 9, site of an abandoned colony of Illyrians, a humanoid species known for modifying their genes to enhance their capabilities and levels of function. Because genetic modification is forbidden in the Federation, are you clear on that, Matt? They're not allowed to do it. They have always been outcasts. Their presence, the Enterprise presence there, is part of a standing mission to discover what happened to this colony. Research time on the surface is limited as the planet is regularly swept by ion storms with one fast approaching, uh, a.k.a. story clock.
0: Indeed, got to keep the foot on the gas there. Uh, Pike notes that uh, the topic of genetic modifications puts everyone on edge including number one Uh, Mm. that's some foreshadowing that i don't Mm. know is necessarily obvious foreshadowing on first view so kudos there uh it's time indeed says pike to round everybody on up uh he's gonna get some number one's gonna get some uh pike uh takes a lap past ensign lance pete discount timothy chalamet uh (laughs) who's looking into a beaker closet And he gets space-vapored. We know it, though he does not. All meet at the rendezvous point. That's why you
1: shouldn't space-vape.
0: Listen, Pete, it's only the last couple days. There's metals and
1: light viruses in space-vape.
0: Pete, in the real world, okay? Doja Cat decrying the effect that uh, vaping has had on her voice. She's had to cancel part of her tour, and she has... uh, not decided to quit vaping, but just reduce use a lot because it's just a tour, you know. anyhow, Pete, don't space vape is the message here. Uh, also don't beam up people when there's ion problems. at least Kyle, Chief Kyle, there he is, can't quite beam everybody up despite the fact that they're at their their uh, rendezvous point. There's so much ion interference. he gets kind of half of them. We see them starting to light up the transporter pad. Kyle calls down to Hemmer, who's gonna send in some auxiliary power. Uh, no worries there. Uh, the lights in general hallway uh, flicker for a moment. The crew is non-plussed, or is that non paramount Um <laughs> But in engineering, with a great use of the LED wall background uh, and a solid set in front of it, uh, Hemmer pushes the buttons, gives Kyle the okay, because Hemmer's a genius. Uh, And Kyle's beamed everybody up, but wait, says number one, don't forget Pike and Spock too.
1: Spock is in some sort of archive with a glowing cylinder in his hand. As Pike enters, he tells him, he thinks he may have located a cache of undiscovered journals that may be relevant. Pike tells him it's time to head to the rendezvous point before the storm overtakes them, but Mr. Kyle can't get a lock because of the storm and can't transport them through it. Number one tells them to find shelter until it passes. And Spock suggests they run to the title card.
0: Pete, when the guy without emotion tells you to run, you know it's serious. Uh, In the credits, we see that this episode is written by uh, Star Trek veteran Akila Cooper and Bill Walkoff, directed by... Twenty-four zone Leslie Hope, who has had quite a directing career in the last twenty years too. I don't want to diminish that. Uh, in the turbo lift, number one breathes as she takes a moment to temporarily be accepting the mantle here of you know senior officer on a ship in crisis. Uh, as she gets onto the bridge, she kind of notes the chair. She announces that uh, Pike and Spock are on the curve, uh, the, the surface. Uh, Uhura cannot get a signal, and Wheeler, who's kept off-screen, is just going to keep keep scanning and, and trying to get in touch with them.
1: They all have jobs to do here as the massive storm sits atop the planet. Uh, in a Deck 14 corridor, Lieutenant Ortegas, who feels a little haggard there, she's kind of rubbing her neck, uh, finds Ensign Lance disrobing And complaining that it's too dark he then headbutts the glass on a panel and she pulls him back and contacts security
0: Uh, Pete skipping over the line that has launched a thousand (laughs) gifts here whatever tweaks your freak indeed Pete in the Star Trek future safe sane and consensual activities between adults okay the smashing the head into the light fixture though I think we can agree not okay Uh, In number one's quarters, uh, she's liking the light too, soaking it up, calls for the lights to go up 25%. uh, And she seems to be, shall we say, Pete, really enjoying it. Um, She she rips her uniform a bit. uh, Not in a lascivious moment, though. It's, I think, to better uh, show us that in a moment her skin is going to glow red. She, however, does not seem... Uh, especially concerned about this which is a great little story moment that only makes sense later slash on uh, rewatch. in the moment it's oh she's not doing the responsible thing disclosing an illness or weird side effect because to her it's not a weird side effect uh, however she does call Mbenga about the landing party he's gotten some odd cases and was about to call her uh, she considers herself in the mirror and is on her way down Pete unshown is the fact that she changes into an unripped uh, uniform.
1: And that she's not blue beneath it. Nurse Chapel has a patient under a light, as Mbenga explains to number one, who has replaced that uniform top. Half of the landing party have burned or shocked themselves on sources of illumination, which is the only thing that seems to calm them down. He asks if she's exhibited any of that behavior, which she denies. Obviously, in retrospect, this is so that she does not have to disclose, I am an Illyrian, and this is the time of the episode where you arrest me and report me to the Federation, and no one is saved, and by the way, your daughter in the transporter buffer uh, will be doomed. Uh, So that doesn't happen. He says speaking of those transporter uh, biofilters, that they would have screened out anything abnormal, but he ran viral and bacterial scans as a precaution, which came back clean. The only thing he's been able to find is a severe drop in, (sighs) carefully here, I've never heard this for vitamin D, a, a drop in colocalciferol
0: pete it's the star trek future and that's for all we know that could be the science word that's real now um but <laughs> quickly the science is dispensed with and everybody's just going to call it vitamin d for the rest of the episode uh and indeed those levels are in the red um it is uh, also observed that number one has the right amount of vitamin d uh Benga pulls a blood sample with a lovely little effect uh vfx or practical i don't know as the hypo reverse fills or reverse hypos uh, and fills with blood uh now pete you might be thinking oh this is still secretly going to be one of those transporter error kind of episodes but in engineering hemmer reiterates that the biofilters don't need to recognize odd things uh they uh, the things which are not recognized uh, are simply filtered out and he is very confident about the ship systems uh and thanks her to not think curses at him in a rather subtle moment, um, because he doesn't say it quite so plainly. Uh, He adds that uh, the new, new upgrades do extra, extra filtering, which is, again, a subtle stick-a-pin-in-that for a story element later, but it doesn't come across as, you know, but wait, we didn't finish upgrading. No, 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 as far as Hammer knows, everything is at this highest level of, uh, of safety.
1: There's a familiarity in the conversation here as well as the irritability between both characters. We're still operating under the assumption that the virus has affected number one and that she's covering up that she has it, that that's part of having it. Um, And he agrees that he will run Reluctantly, a ship wide level five diagnostic to make her feel better, but it may take all night. Uh, kudos, Matt, to the monitors in this episode. First, the, uh, the view we got of Hemmer's screen uh, during the transporter crisis of pulling the power from elsewhere and here, you know, we always hear run a diagnostic, but the the visual look at doing that can't recall ever getting either of those views before.
0: And all again, in this absolutely wonderful engineering environment, which, uh, you know, I know I had some positives and some negatives last week about the use of the led wall here. I think the fact that they have a really solid and confined, you know, set, which creates a foreground and a mid ground. And then, because it's like, this is the thing that overlooks the giant open area behind us. There's also a clear line in the story between what's like here and what's back there. So there's, there's a little bit less of that. You know, when, does thing, when do things reach the, uh, the, the point of infinity and all of that. So my point being, they're really using all the pluses of the LED wall here to create just this massive and beautiful space. Uh, We go to the bridge where Pike has gotten the signal through. He's in the library. Landing party members are ill. And then the signal is out. Um, And number one moves to the conference room, uh, which I guess it was only fully clear to me in this episode is also Pike's uh, ready room. There's Pike's desk all the way at the end. So kudos to them uh, kind of doing a two for one there and somewhat giving the captain an office, which he never had on screen for TOS. So kind of, you know, Splitting that difference there. But anyhow, in what I think we can call is the conference room. Number one digs into Illyrian files. Laon arrives uh, calling number one chief. More on that later, Pete. Laan notes that— She has
1: called her chief before.
0: Well, uh, Pete, I want to talk about it in theories now. Okay, now now it's an issue to me, regardless of whether it's happened in the past and maybe I've missed it.
1: The first uh-huh. time she saw her when they rescued her in uh, the pilot.
0: Uh, La'an notes that this, all these issues, um, I guess just in general, like the Illyrian Files, this is why genetic modifications are a no-no in the Federation, uh, and they should stay away from uh, such information. La'an is, after all, a bit of an expert, being related to Khan Noonien Singh, if there was any doubt. Uh, As a child, she was endlessly teased. She reflects on her past, but, but it's so dark in here let me fiddle with this retro looking lamp here they need more light and with that La'on is off to sick bay.
1: yes number one contacting the doctor here uh, she has the same vitamin D deficiency uh, but she was not part of the landing party curious that the chapel says contact tracing shows Lieutenant Noonian the second time here in the previously on, they also said uh, Lon nunian So not the sing part. Interesting.
0: Huh? I guess I would, I mean, if we're going by the strict Star Trek rules that have been in place since forever, uh, that what is said on screen is paramount. Uh, and then nominally what is shown on screen is, almost as important, but perhaps a place for error. At least I think of that like in the TNG era. Um, so like, I, I don't know. I, I mean, she's been on Noonie and Singh in promotional stuff for so long that if that's not what they're going with actually in the final product, it's
1: interesting. Well, she's called herself Laon Noonie and Singh to Captain Pike when they met. And, you know, again, they they showed that in the previously on but they cut off the sing and then uh here chapel just refers to her as lieutenant Nooney. and i thought it was interesting but she had shared a turbo lift with ensign lance Um, and Benga can't trace this to any viral or bacteriological means so he recommends a full lockdown Number one opens a ship-wide channel, initiating level five a lockdown protocol immediately with all non-essential personnel confined to quarters and on-duty personnel confined to specific work zones until further notice, which causes Hammer to snap in engineering, literally, and everyone follows him.
0: So, Pete, what wacky sci-fi this is with this this locking down, as they call it. Those in quarters must stay at home. Those at work must stay within work zones, which I want to return to a little bit later. Because um, I don't think they follow that to the letter of the law. But I think also being a reasonable person, I think we could find implied exceptions to it. But, Wow. Contact tracing and lockings down? What, what craziness. Back to the Planet in the library, which is, let's just reflect for a moment, It is a great simple set in which round circles and lights, a couple of which are turned into tubes, uh, create this very sci-fi and probably inexpensive set. You know, it's just a V shape with circle lights on the walls and once or twice Ethan Peck needs to pull at one of the circles and it's a tubey tube that the prop department made. Um, But anyhow, Spock is reading the journals. He's chiding Pike for being anxious uh, about being trapped in the surface. Uh, Pacing back and forth will not help the situation. Spock has also found that these particular Illyrians wanted to reverse their genetic engineering in order to join the Federation. Uh, As for more information, while he's still reading, Captain, pike suggests skipping to the end but but wait what are those scary howling lights outside egad
1: yes the curious screeching and the many floating orange forms in the storm at the end of an act break here uh, an eye opens in a darkened environment Uh, disturbed from commotion outside it when Uhura opens the door to her sleeping area in the wall to find her roommate standing in front of a simulation of the sun, which she ends. In sickbay, Umbenga has almost 50 patients now, forcing him to open their auxiliary bay above to handle the overflow. So that's why the ceiling previously viewed in uh, Sick Bay is now using the LED wall uh, to make it look like it's got two floors.
0: Whether it's the LED wall or just a good old fashioned, here's an image of the set that we're going to line up right on top of the other set. Regardless, it's, I mean, it's what a great use. And by the way, let's not forget there's a long standing Star Trek tradition that portions of the ship are not used uh and can be put into action as needed so the notion that like there's always been another sick bay above this sick bay that doesn't really get used but if they need to they can open her on up no problem like that makes almost more sense than like you know most of the discovery is interior empty space which i still take issue with but pete that's another star trek podcast another day uh, the good news is Uhura is completely fine. Hemmer comes in. Uh, just I love that dry, sarcastic wit. Surely he's found something. That's why he's wandering around in the middle of the night. Uh, seriously, though, the ship's comedian is here to check on the emergency medical transporter for excess power usage, system integration. It comes off as a lot of blah, 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 technobabble. Uh, although Mbenga goes after him. He does have research there. Uh, The story momentarily stays with number one and Uhura kind of as pals here, which I think does those characters service, but also lets we, the audience take our foot off the gas of, whoa, and Benga seems fired up just for five seconds. We're like, Oh, uh, back to number one and Uhura. Oh wait, back to him, Benga. I think that is to say, Pete, we are not meant to fully buy into his panic at this point.
1: Yeah. uh, And then as, Hammer leaves after the the light had gone down and, and Benga's patients uh, get upset, obviously addicted to that light, to see him against the wall flip the switch there, increase the light, not quite being truthful here as well. Um in Shots
0: that could have been telegraphed more, but I think they're just trusting the audience here. It's clear that uh, it is Mbenga who turns the lights off, particularly after he turns tr- turns them back on again. Uh, we get this kind of ominous moment. Then we go back to Pike and Spock, uh, where the, the warbling sound is back. Indeed, it's at the door, reaching in. The men struggle to close the door. Uh, Spock has been nicked. The journals did mention rumors of creatures and storms, Uh, And now one is knock, knock, knocking at the door. Time to use that desk thing to block it. Uh, (laughs) So lots of attention here for what ultimately Pete is the B plot, if not C plot of the story. That's right. They dared have the lesser story be Pike and Spock.
1: Number one goes with Uhura to her quarters and learns she was exposed to the same conditions as her roommates, but was in the dark. She tells Mbenga and Chapel uh, she ran a scan and around infected individuals, light waves carry additional energy, so they'll turn off the lights. Number one asks if they can sedate their light-addicted crewmates, which Mbenga says is the best option, and from the exterior of the Enterprise, it powers down.
0: Now, there's all this science here. I'm having trouble following it, but luckily Mbenga says, what's going on is like how the common cold makes humans sneeze to spread it. That's why I said, oh, thanks, doc. Now I understand. Uh, We get an act break after those lights go out. Then uh, afterwards, number one is uh, searching Illyrian genetic modifications, specifically those related to disease control. She sees images of among other things, a girl glowing red. Pete, you may recall such a thing happened earlier in this very episode. Uh, However, before she can reach a conclusion, uh, she's interrupted by an issue in the transporter room. Uh, She walks on down, finding a very hot transporter room. Uh, That's because there's those wavy heat lines. And Hemmer is attempting to beam down a piece of the molten planet core, or mantle, rather. Hammer wants to feel the light and the heat 1,000 degrees, nay, 10,000 degrees. She eyes a phaser, uh, and as he steps towards the uh, transporter platform, uh, she stuns him. Uh, She beams the mantle away and easily carries Hammer. Not a (laughs) story mistake, but something that's surprising to us and going to be surprising to La'an later and something that will be answered. A little
1: bit of trickery, too, with it, it is noticeable with the camera and how they did that. I mean, obviously, Rebecca Romaine, I'm sure, is fit, but not up to uh, carrying the other performer here. Um, In the Illyrian library, Pike has barricaded the entrance and raises his phaser while Spock reads another journal cylinder. Uh, He's deduced the creatures did not destroy the Illyrians as they began to appear as they began to be wiped out by a mysterious disease. Spock hasn't found any info saying the creatures harmed the colonists as they uh, push back the barricade and tear open the door. The window breaks from the storm outside and Pike and Spock seek the floor where the creatures envelop them from the harmful conditions before leaving
0: and indeed it's hammered home not hammered home it's hammered home by spock that thanks to them it seems that we are not under threat uh back on the ship number one brings Hemmer in and uh chapel uh here i guess not Laon, is surprised that she can carry him Mbenga, at this point, is acknowledging that he has become infected too, so they better act fast. Number one asks if her blood has any clues. After all, she admits she has been infected. Uh, she's told that she can't know that, uh, but she was. Uh, her system did, as it was bioengineered to do, fight illness, for she is an Illyrian. Uh, however, her blood holds no clues. Uh, Chapel at this point, uh, could not care about mixing human and Illyrian blood and uh, Mbenga takes over with that particular bit of story dialogue. Her blood has no novel antibodies. What is this crazy stuff? Mm. Uh, Illyrian blood burns out new infections immediately, so there's nothing left from which to synthesize an antidote. uh, If only he had been there when she was infected.
1: She stops him from touching a light panel above a monitor at this point in his office um, and uh, chapel works here uh, quickly shown uh, Laon sitting up behind her as number one prepares to sedate Benga, she says starfleet is right about a lot of things but not all of them and not about the illyrians we're really going to dig into that in theories the bat uh, these eugenics wars etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, He notes that prejudice has continued for centuries with no scientific justification. When they met their galactic neighbors, they found new bigotries. Human and Vulcan blood and now human and Lyrian. It's meaningless to him as a physician, and he'd beg her to help if she could. Regulations be damned. She puts him out, and the computer announces the warp core containment field has been deactivated and she finds Chapel unconscious on the floor and notices La'an is missing.
0: Benga, in that prior scene, revealed to be the noblest of physicians, ready to defy the rules of man in order to help a patient in need. An important reminder for the road ahead. But indeed, as you said, Pete, who's missing? La'an! Uh, and in engineering, indeed it is La'an who's lowering the uh, warp core containment field Uh, she's not going to put it back up, she wants the light, Uh, the women fight, uh, even with a story clock, a 24 story clock, beep boop, beep boop, the containment field is down, it is lowering, uh, and so forth, the percentage decreasing, number one wants La'an to trust her friend, but La'an calls her a liar, an augment, a monster, now the radiation is out, and We see number one glowing
1: red, and eagle-eyed viewers will note, so does Lon as well. On the surface, the storm has passed, and Pike tries to contact Enterprise to no avail. He says the plasma creatures shielded them from the storm. Why wouldn't they have done the same for the colonists? Spock sees two possibilities. One, that they had a conflict with them and two, that they were unable to save them because they are them. He's found no mention, uh, I'm sorry, he's found mention of odd behavior from this disease. The infected had a compulsion for light. Some were driven so mad they ran into the storms chasing the light. Wouldn't they have died, Pike asks? Yes, but uh, it could have possibly created what they saw. And just then, eerily and fascinatingly, as Spock notes, a cylinder pops out of the wall, which is a thorough account of these Illyrians' initiative to renounce their genetic engineering in an effort to join the Federation. Even in death, they wanted uh, whoever found it to be aware And then outside at the rendezvous point, Spock says that some colonists were bioengineered to fight disease. Had they not tried to reverse their augmentation, they might not have all died. And Pike notes that they wanted to join the Federation so badly that their good faith gesture got them killed.
0: I love that they highlight this sad irony uh, which has no resolution, which has no life lesson. You know, it's not like, but sometimes for the greater good, no, it's just they, they they chose a path and it it's, it's a sad result uh, and it doesn't need to be resolved. In sickbay, Mbenga is brought back and uh, number one says that it was the radiation dose uh, that was fixed by her Illyrian bits and La'an was saved by Proximity Chapel, who let's... Not forget was naturally immune and thus around to create uh a, a medical fix off screen. Not a complaint at all. I'm just saying if you wondered why Chapel was never brought down, it's cause the story needed somebody to do this, to scan on to find Laan, who is stressed, is not Illyrian, uh, but Laon has received chimeric antibodies, and it was from that source of antibodies that Chapel uh created a synthetic solution. So hooray! The day is saved. Number one later goes to the dining hall where Laan is eating strawberries. It, just a splendid backdrop on the window, mm. LED or green screen, I don't quite know. Uh, either way, number one is uh, going to let the whole striking a superior officer thing fall by the wayside. But was it the sickness, talking, speaking those cruel words? Laan says yes and no. Laan has always hated augments. And deeply understands why genetic engineering is so awful uh, illyrians however a number one says modified themselves to live on hostile planets not uh, change the planets for themselves number one has been hiding her truth from a lot of people her dream had always been to join starfleet which of course is also what inspired laon as well as their shared love of strawberries and the women eat it together in a in a rather tense silence.
1: In the briefing room, uh, number one stands across from Captain Pike and tells him she is Illyrian, not from this colony, but from far away. Uh, Starfleet policy is clear, she says, by not disclosing her genetic augmentation were spying listing she's committed federation offense so she's resigning commission and surrendering herself for disciplinary review she puts the uh, badge there on his desk she only asks that her sincere desire to join starfleet be taken into consideration all of this of course pike rejects he doesn't care where she's from she's the best first officer in the fleet thank you she says but Uh, She's also obligated to point out Starfleet doesn't allow Una stop. But Chris, wait, I've broken dozens of regulations, uh, lied to get into Starfleet, according to Federation law, that if he shelters her, they could come after him as well. And he welcomes this discussion. One thing became clear to him on It 9, that Illyrians are severely misunderstood. Her actions in this crisis prove that again. Uh, she says she just did her job, but he says that uh, she defied every stereotype the Federation has about Illyrians. She's an example to them and all of them. Uh, And what will they do when Starfleet finds out in a later episode, Matt? He says, as he gives her the badge back, that he will worry about that. Oh, and before you go, can we solve this transporter biofilter glitch?
0: Uh, And indeed, uh, number one goes to see Mbenga about it as it was his medical transporter, not kept updated, which caused the problem. What is his secret? Hemmer's diagnostic shows that something was kept in the pattern buffer, but Mbenka, uh, of course, did not know that it would risk all their lives. What's in there? He admits it is is Rukia, his daughter, uh, who was diagnosed with a brutal disease. He was not prepared To uh, let her go from having led a normal life to a a 12-week prognosis, uh, wither his child away. He is the chief medical officer of the flagship of Starfleet, but he has no solutions. Nothing has worked. He does note that there's uh, no limit on how long a pattern can be stored in the buffer. No, stop yelling folks who don't actually watch the show because then he says as long as they are materialized regularly look it's now completely in alignment with uh the tng episode relics in which scotty has done not the same thing he has kept himself in the buffer without materializing so we just put our our torches and pitchforks away there it's a different thing though use of a similar idea uh, in the buffer uh and benga notes his daughter does not age meaning the disease does not progress somewhere out there is a planet a strange new world if you will that has what he needs uh however he also admits the light virus epidemic was his fault he cannot endanger the crew for one life uh would not number one consider before turning him in that he could spend a little bit more time with his daughter uh and she says no but pete that's because they both have secrets tell me more
1: Yes, Uh, you'd love the the double reveal wrapped in here. Um, She's instead going to provide a dedicated power source direct from the warp core, so the problem uh, will never happen again. And she also looks forward to meeting his daughter one day, which brings us to her quarters for the final time here where she's recording a personal log uh, talking about how the lights are back on, but that doesn't mean that they can see clearly. And over the narration here, Umbanga raises the privacy glass in his office. There's the transporter sound effect and his daughter Rukia materializes. Is it story time, dad? Where were we? Uh, Don't spoil it. He's read it like a hundred times. And number one goes on to explain that Dr. Mbenga stopped hiding today just a little, and she did for once too, telling the captain who defended her, uh, told her that he would fight for her, but why does she feel terrible? What if she hadn't saved those lives? Would he feel the same? Uh, this knowledge that she's one of the good ones. Uh, when will it be enough to just be Illyrian, who she is? And then, sadly, she has the computer delete the log entry.
0: There's a wonderful wipe as the camera moves away from the uh, number one set. And they've matched it up with a camera move uh, in bay. Mbenka reading to his daughter uh, as the Enterprise warps away to end the episode. (laughs) Pete, we have a tactical analysis of this week's threats. Let's start with the Ion Storm.
1: I love the visuals they provide with this. And then to make it the thing that's really pressing the nature of the story at the beginning with the pike and spock subplot this idea that some of the victims went into it and have been transformed by it um you know actually becoming part of another threat uh Indeed,
0: the plasma creatures, which, you know, it's not the scariest thing Star Trek has ever done. However, it's a good, you know, there's the howling of the wind. What is that out there? I think intentionally for we the audience in those long shots, they kind of look maybe like two arms, two legs and a head, but not quite. So I think there's, there's something subconscious going on. Then when they're at the door grabbing in, it's a little bit more arm like. But again, they're not kind of fully committing to. The humanoid form, uh, it's a bit more clear as they are protecting Pike and Spock. So the notion that uh, this threat is not a threat at all, but trying to help us, A, very Star Trek and B, in service to this incredibly kind of concentric and, and self, uh, self-reflective story.
1: And what it does in the sense of the characterization they've laid out that some Illyrians driven mad by this disease, their bioengineering caused their transformation. Uh, So in essence, part of them is still there committed this act to save Federation and Starfleet personnel uh, in what is initially misunderstood. um, But you know, all part of that characterization.
0: We also have as a threat the Illyrians proper, not plasma form, uh, and all that their genetic modifications might bring in terms of a threat to the Federation.
1: Yeah, I mean, it needs to be clarified that these are not the augments, um, you know, both of... The Khan Noonien Singh era now, of course, floating out there somewhere in the Botany Bay um, in space, but also the augments uh, of the Enterprise era um, and uh, one of many Brent Spiner uh, cameos.
0: (laughs) Uh, We also have as a a really well-woven series of threats, all these ethical dilemmas. If not for number one's presence, all would have been lost. If not for uh, some of these prejudices, then maybe she would have been there anyway. So your thoughts there, Pete, on these ethical dilemmas.
1: So creating the tension of, oh, uh, number one's infected, but she's, not telling anyone, you know, the virus is trying to to propagate. It's a common uh, trope in these epidemic type of storylines. And the misdirect of that really smartly done. But then the idea that she's been hiding her identity to the crew, to Starfleet, to La'an, Uh, low these many years, and then you throw in Mbenga that he's had his daughter for the last year in the transporter buffers, that he defied the technological update to do that, put everybody at risk. Uh, You know, his oath as a physician, first do no harm, was actually defied. And he realizes that each are ready to turn themselves over. Uh, Neither are allowed to do that. The one, uh, uh, number one, spared by her uh, superior officer, who in turn does that for Mbenga. Let's use
0: our long-range sensors to scan ahead for some theories. And Pete, coming off of your ethical reflection there, let's just take a moment to marvel how, yet again, uh, much like last week, that is to say, the story combines a planetary uh, threat, the contagion, paired specifically with a main character, number one, uh, who has kind of trajectory with other characters, specifically La'an and Mbenga, Uh, And that trajectory, that intersection is incredibly meaningful. We get some of La'an's backstory. We obviously get the heartbreaking revelation here for Mbenga's uh, daughter. All of this going on while the story has organically sidelined what I think we can all agree is the two main stars of the show, Captain Pike and Mr. Spock.
1: Yes, but not at the expense of story. And when you consider that of the three episodes that have streamed so far, this is clearly the shortest and to do as much as they did in this episode, you know, nothing here being done is new. Um, This is what Star Trek has always done and continues to do. Um, But just another example here. Uh, Okay, so we've gotten the reveal that number one is not who she says she is. Okay, and there are people freaking out in different corners of the internet. Uh, One, this may have been uh, done before. Oh my God, Matt, uh, Star Trek did something on screen that was done in some kind of licensed property elsewhere and they use this what kind of crazy expanded universe is this Matt
0: uh yeah when you write for a corporate owner whether you write a novel or a comic or an episode uh, the corporate owner owns that so that's just part of the dealio there and uh, gee whiz Pete some of the people who Made their YouTube bread by saying Discovery was canceled before the first season, after the first season, and now, no set, and so We've forth. Still
1: strangely, now, watched the show.
0: <laughs> indeed, um, but now, now that Star Trek is unquestionably stronger than ever, and now that you know, quite frankly, if the longer form storytelling of Discovery is not your flavor, and you like the more episodic stuff. Uh, I should say, longer form uh, Picard and Discovery as well. Uh, okay, you got a different flavor now. So now some of those people need to find new things to, you know, to complain about. And now it's secret thefts of things that Paramount already owns. I mean, Had stress they that again.
1: not used it, it would have been thrown in their face. But this novel said this and you didn't do it. You could have reached an olive branch across to, you know, the, the faithful cannon warriors, but you spat on us yet again.
0: All I know is this. I, I think that the benefits of episodic storytelling are flexed in this episode and for as wonderful as the pilot was and, and really great last week's episode was, you know, to me, this, is, you know, we're up to 836 episodes of star trek or something like that that does include the movies as episodes but um if you want to say this is a top 10 percent which means you know which would you know means to say top 83 episodes there might be a case to be made there you want to say it's a top 20 percent so top 160 episodes like it's somewhere it's somewhere in that stratosphere and i think that and again i'm not saying this to slam on discovering picard's form of longer form seasonal storytelling but when your focus is not, don't forget in this episode, we need to set up how in two episodes from now, somebody's going to have a crisis of uh, conscience, and how four episodes from now we need the guy from this episode, who's actually you know who's mechanic guy, to come back in four episodes and reveal himself to be evil, hidden guy, when you can just focus all of that story coiling into, for the most part, one episode and say, we're doing a number one arc, we're going to have. Intersect meaningfully with some other people. Yes, of course, we're setting some uh, some stuff up for next time. I want to learn more about Laan and Bengu's story is largely, uh, you know, certainly unresolved. The fact that Pike essentially says, "So even though I didn't get many great speeches this episode, it seems to me number one that one day this season I'm going to be able to give my own drumhead speech uh, and talk about." worrying not about our differences, but the things that bring us together and all of that, you know, yes, we're clearly setting things up for the future, but it's in kind of the coiled up energy that results from the, the tight coils of this episode. Not again with the different storytelling tool of got to set up the guy who comes back in the finale and got to do that now.
1: Yeah. And to do everything that they have you create the situation okay we have a number of characters now that are protecting number one secret okay pike and her uh protege in laon An and two medical personnel who are obviously under confidential means to not reveal that so it'll be dealt with again it's not going to be a one off and they're going to forget it um, but it increases tension down the road for uh, other people finding that out, and then similarly so with Mbanga. Um, that number one's aware of it. Presumably Pike is aware. Hammers definitely aware. Something was in his transporter buffer. Um. So, you know, both of those needing to be fully resolved at some point. You mentioned uh, Scotty being in the pattern buffer. So, okay, it again squared canonically that on this enterprise before Scotty, obviously the chief engineer, uh, that you needed to rematerialize every now and again. And then that he was in it for, what was that 75 years to be able to be in there. Uh, you know, um, all works with the technology.
0: Yeah. And once again, Canon does not exist to be, you know, story bars that prevent you from doing things. They want to use the magic fictional transporter slightly differently here to get a slightly different, or largely the same outcome as to what was done 30 years ago, 25 years ago in a class in, in a TNG episode, you know, so, so be it certainly. But Pete looking squarely at this episode was number one, really right in calling for a lockdown after all hashtag my lights, my rights, am I right?
1: <laughs> I I can't with the people that would yeah say that, I need to be able to go to the mess hall and eat strawberries. And yeah, I mean the the show takes a thoughtful examination of so many things by also making it clear that people that would endanger other people, um, that there's not a place for that, and only because of. Recognizing the abilities and the records of number one and Mbenga that and and who offered themselves up. That's important, Matt. I did the bad thing, not that you can't make me wear this. You can't make me get a hypo against the light virus. You know, it's 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 Klingon light virus. Okay, was made. Uh, on uh, Quonos, all
0: right. Indeed, it occurs to me that uh, Hemmer's problem was almost the injection of too much light, uh, not not the opposite. But anyhow, Pete, um I love the inclusion here. Uh, apparently, again, I must confess I had not picked it up prior to this episode. But Laon calling number one chief uh, done in an environment in this episode where it's just the two of them, so it's clearly a term of both. Respect in that the boss has called you to uh, the ready room in order to have a professional discussion. However, uh, it's also a term of you know, kind of uh, you know, friendly affection in that Laon knew her as chief uh, in the way back when.
1: Yeah, having rescued her, uh, the the lone survivor of uh, I'm sure what well, we're going to learn more about the uh, the the Gorn. Uh, was it colonists, or that their ship had been overtaken? Uh, there seemed a little bit of both aspects, but there's a tremendous admiration and, you know, a, a role model type of thing. And then to have your uh, faith in someone who's been so pivotal in your life and your career uh, questioned by this this secret. Um, It does beg the notion had no one ever noticed before has number one in her distinguished career never been hit by a spike from a flower on the surface of a planet and then her skin glowed red in front of others and what was that oh that was just the, the, the effect I am fine now. It, it does set that up, but at the same time, there's suspension of disbelief to note that it was never seen before by anyone. And, you know, her ability to conceal it, uh, remained intact. Well, I love that. That's all done
0: within jeans, original vision of number one for the original pilot, which is she's icy. She's proficient. She's, incredibly mysterious Uh, I don't know if he mentions in those character outlines that are in the making of Star Trek by uh, I think it's Stephen Whitfield maybe Whitley Uh, he also kind of was forced to give Gene Roddenberry the co-novel writing credit there or co-book credit but I digress Um, I know that some of the, the the yeoman in the cage was definitely part of the character description was some version of like Boy, oh boy, she's a really hotzy totsy Wow, wow, wow! I don't think that that was prescribed to number one. I just mention it because mention it not because number one is played by a former supermodel in Rebecca Romain, but rather for 1964, the fact that like here's a lady who's nothing but professional. That's it. There's not like oh hoochie coochie. It's just she's 100% professional, but also very, very mysterious. Here we are, decades and decades later, where someone has said, uh, Jean said she was so mysterious. Hey, that's enough story room to say she's mysterious because there's a mystery there, not because, you know, whatever. That's a, It's just going to be a character thing that ladies who are good at their jobs and could be second in command on the ship, that's that's such a mystery that we can't quite figure out why. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. To me, it's just all in, in line. And Pete, speaking of things being in line, okay, I think I have an answer to this next one, but maybe you can explain it to me better. Uhura is on the bridge uh, for lockdown. Uh, there's reference made in the initial lockdown announcement, you know, uh, those at duty stations will remain at duty stations, that sort of thing. Later on, she's in her quarters. Can you story explain that for me?
1: I can't. <laughs> oh. Because I can. Uh, You've got to be allowed to sleep. You can't sleep on the bridge. Could it have been explained, oh, they were in auxiliary lockdown near the bridge quarters, hence in the wall. But it's also said that she needs complete darkness to be able to sleep. Um, So maybe there's like, lighting that guides them away from other people on the floor so you don't come into contact with other people or your uh tricorder uh you know guides you um i don't think it's incongruous with the rest of the episode
0: oh no i think look as we've said many times before would this have been improved with a sentence or two of dialogue sure flip side is i think we can all understand like Hey, first responders, at a certain point, go home and sleep. And whether that is, as you're saying, whether she was in her quarters or in just auxiliary, like, hey, here's the bridge staff or here's all the people who have been on shift. Now you're going to go to a set of lower deck dorms um, and rest up and whatever that's going to look like, you know, so be it. I mean, I, I don't think the story... The story in no way falls apart because let's further imagine this: if it wasn't Uhura, instead it was like the unseen person who was told to keep scanning the surface. Like, okay, is, who do you want to use? You want to use Celia Rose Gooding, or you want to highlight like, hey, here's a brand new extra who gets three scenes to go. What lights? Ah, I'm not sick. Let's go to sick bay. Like, it it makes more sense the way they did it. So, Pete, what theories do you have?
1: What is behind them not fully? Giving Laon's name, both in the previously on and then when Chapel calls her Lieutenant Nudian,
0: I will assume that, as I said to great detail before, you know though they're not kind of applying the Game of Thrones multi-season, multi, you know series-long story arcs, though they're not applying it, maybe they are applying some more modern tools in terms of, I think of, for example, uh, Succession, which will just say, you need to keep up, and time has passed between last episode and this one, and we're not going to tell you that. You just need to pedal faster. Uh, Mm -hmm. Same thing here. They might be setting something up, just like with the Chief thing, where they're not going to say, oh, you always call me Chief because we were pals back in the day. Perhaps they're heading towards something. Uh, I'm going to... I'm going to say this is not a an editing mistake. This is not a oh they didn't catch it because filming was so difficult during COVID. Though it was during kind of you know COVID procedures, and though it was a challenge to be sure, um, I think it's time to start to remove some of those some of those uh, constraints from making its way into the final product. So what it's headed to, I don't know. Uh, I would hope that in whatever the La'an episode is that we get kind of more of that. Uh, next week? Uh, Pete, I live in, uh, I'm in the transporter buffer and occasionally <laughs> I beam on, I did not know that that was next week. I know that episode five does seem rather Vulcan. Um, but great, if, if all the more reason, if we're like, hey, now there's officially some Laon stuff uh, up, then uh, great. Let next week be the battlefield.
1: Laon Ka'an, Matt, second time in two weeks here, the Picard finale, Project Khan, and now in the third episode of Strange New Worlds. They're making us awful conscious of Con. Matt. Mm-hmm. Does this mean that he's getting a special limited event series a la Kenobi? Uh, One that uh, Nicholas Meyer, who uh, directed and uh, wrote Star Trek II, has uh, developed and, you know, continues to tout the benefits of or uh, just the the good old reference to uh, Star Trek's uh, Darth Vader
0: couple of thoughts first is it's only in the last month or so that digging around i think on memory alpha it was the first time i had read um that the con limited series was like three episodes or three two-hour offerings like kind of on the shorter end so i guess my initial response as an audience member is i'm not really interested in Will quasi split the difference. I'm not interested in a month of a con limited series. Just doesn't doesn't do it for me. Discovery's been 15 episodes, 14 episodes, 13 episodes. Uh, Picard and Stranger Worlds 10. Uh, ditto for uh for lower decks. Like uh, you know whether you're doing episodic, whether you're doing season long storytelling, whatever it is. uh, I'm interested in the longer haul. Um, now if I put on my faux you know studio executive hat you know what does a month's worth of stuff get us it gets us another month of subscription subscription versus like boy i love all this star trek i never think about canceling because there's always some star trek on um i don't i don't see the i don't i don't have the interest in it as a uh, as a fan i don't see the point of it kind of from a corporate expenditure uh place now all of that being said I love the character of Laan. I love Christina Chong. I love everything that's being done there. I love the fact that she's tightly wound. Uh, there's kind of this quasi tragic backstory, like, you know, that people have given her a hard time because of her background. It's, it's relatable, and we've all had those, like, you know, where do I sit at lunch kind of moments, but here it is, you know, <laughs> through the lens of the descendant of a mass murder and all that great, great story stuff. I still don't know what the show's benefit is of having a descendant of Khan um, because I kind of preclude the idea that they're going to ice him off and have a little adventure and then put him back where he can still be found safely in TOS. So I'm not complaining about the presence of the character at all. I just don't see the grand plan yet. Maybe next week will help address that. Uh, maybe Pete, you are right that we are setting up, you know, and then there was, you know, great, great, great grandfather, Uh, Adam Soong and something something and maybe there is this limited series coming after all but what the plan is I don't see it
1: well for her to not have enhancements augments and for number one to have secretly had this both showcase of the disease burning ability and at least a modicum of enhanced strength To be able to carry the chief engineer, maybe something uh, no one's ever noticed of her before, um, subverting those expectations. But Matt, I want to talk about what is this episode's stance on eugenics?
0: I think that the episode is walking a Star Trek fine line, which may or may not exist in real life. Uh, it's walking a fine line between the the obvious problems with eugenics, and it's separating from that the obvious problems of discriminating against people because they are different. It happens to be the same thing in this episode that that um because number one is genetically modified uh by way of a eugenic philosophy, um she is being discriminated against and we have some of the, some of the dialogue that strikes a bit less metaphorical, you know, the mixing of blood, whether that's, uh, you know, a, 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 a metaphor for intimacies or whether that's literally, you know, like I, I believe to this day, Pete, uh, some people based on orientation are, are asked to not donate blood and things of that sort. Um, so I kind of get where all the pieces are. I, I kind of don't, I'm not online with the, or on board rather, with the notion that therefore the episode's conclusion is eugenics are great. Uh, And I'm not saying that you're proposing that either. Um, But it is interesting that they're using some kind of, I would hope obvious to most Star Trek fans, uh, they're using some dangerous ingredients here to reach the outcome.
1: Well, I'm going to posit this, that they've brought this up, In the third episode, obviously, you need to do character-centric episodes about other characters. This one, the first number one episode. But, you know, we have this long-term character and story problem with Pike that is medical in nature. And we've potentially, with further fleshing out of Two characters, the characters that get the most uh, revealed about them in this episode, both number one and Mbenga, lay out possible solves for Pike's problem with their background.
0: It has occurred to me, maybe not specifically with the Pike situation, because I still, I think that for whatever the run of this show is going to be, if they're going to go 10 seasons, then guess what? Which I feel like is an outer... Extreme prediction. At the end of 10 seasons, you can go and Pike gets injured, and now he's in the chair, and maybe we reshoot uh footage where it's Pike and uh Vina back on Talos 4, happy and you know, blah 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 blah. To me, there's kind of that fixed endpoint. However, on the topic of maybe we reshoot Pike and Vina with the modern actors, it has occurred to me does star trek at some point whether i don't think it's this season i don't think it's next season but at some point if they're going to stay in this tos era do they dare reshoot redo an episode i mean pete what's the most fun episode of star trek deep space nine i
1: don't know
0: mightn't it be the one where they meet up with the enterprise and there's all the green screen trickery and in you know, uh, forest dumping trials right?
1: and tribulations
0: yeah so like i'm wondering at some point five years from now ten years from now uh ten years from now do they do that and do we do the con episode that is just a it's not a kelvin reimagining i, I don't know if that's on the plate and if that's maybe on the plate then maybe pike's future can be changed as well do we do a loving? refresh of the stories at some point again that's not a this season theory it's just something that you know i think at a certain point we can say you know if we can get a brand new japanese american actor to race around magnificently oiled down bare chested with a with a sword do we do, do we do that opportunity to retell that story at some point um you know it, at what point is that is that acceptable to redo i don't know
1: but i think that that's something to keep in mind i think the eugenic conversation is thoughtful in this episode through the choice of the two characters to talk about it the most one a member of the aapi community and the other african star trek
0: when working on all cylinders is effortlessly bringing in modern topics timeless topics diversity uh i mean to think pete two years ago were you eager for like i can't wait for shows to tackle covid lockdown stuff um there may have been an argument in the writer's room hey is is this too soon particularly in a writer's room that was probably at the you know at the very least in recent memory all virtual maybe they're wearing masks in the writer's room or they're, you know, don't forget to maintain your bubble. Don't go out partying, that kind of thing. Um, But this, this time, this place, this episode, it all lines up.
1: We have a star date at the beginning of this episode, which predates the star date in the pilot. So clearly they're just throwing numbers up on a page at this point
0: which is what Gene did, which is what Classic (laughs) Trek did. I think that they are just calling attention to that. If anything, Pete, they are re-canonizing what was done 50-plus years ago. How dare
1: you make this Star Trek like previous Star Trek. Uh, It should be different and therefore not like any of the Star Trek before, but also don't you dare change my Star Trek because Star Trek
0: yeah uh, look having having watched TNG during my formative years I do much prefer four is for the 24th century one is for the first season then the next digit shows uh where out of a percentage of 100 we are in uh in the season to me that makes more sense they could have gone with it here um they're as you said Pete they are just throwing numbers up there I think we have some tweets that that Um, are concerned about it as well i hear your concerns just know that they're saying don't worry about it the same way that you don't worry how is it that when they turn on the spotlights above people because they stand on a glass circle that that somehow means that they're able to then go to a planet like just go with it go with it because mumble mumble tech there's some gene explanation from the 60s that like because of time dilation and the central universe axis, blah, blah, blah. And then later, like a month later, he's like, yeah, I said, I I made up this thing about time dilation. That seemed to have people stop asking about it. So I guess it makes sense. Like, this is an area let's just not worry about.
1: And then the, uh, Mbenga daughter conundrum. Um, you know, obviously he appears on the original series. There's no mention of the daughter, it doesn't mean that she's not still on the transporter buffer or they haven't found some kind of cure. And then that perhaps even some kind of Illyrian tech uh, medically might help to come along with that. You know, he's he's talking about traveling uh, light years and hours and now he's suddenly got access to an Illyrian and her immune system on the ship.
0: Uh, I feel like if that's the route they go, then they will have used this week's solution for, uh, I'll say, next week. I understand that next week is not the Umbenga episode, before a next week problem. I feel like it needs to get solved this season. I feel like it need i and I feel like they're gonna show up at the planet of whatever, and that's when there's gonna be the thing you know maybe we get some maybe we get some some further story development there, like the problem is in the genetic um processing of sugars. I'll do a bad version here. Then they go to the planet where they've got complex sugars and in the in the flowers. And I think that's what it's going to be. It's going to be science saves the day and, and all of that and a happy ending. Um, but you know, Pete, time will tell, certainly. And uh with that, let's head to hailing frequencies.
2: Hailing frequencies open, sir.
0: We start as we always do with our Twitter poll. Uh, where would you ride out? a ship ride uh, problem. If you were on the enterprise, a problem like contagion, Pete, I didn't want to be spoilery. Uh, The uh, captain's man cave, uh, which is say his quarters has a little fire in there. Very cool. Uh, Got 40.6%. Una's suite got 21.9%. Uhura's sleep pod got 21.9%. So Pete of those voters there, what is that? Approximately 44% of all respondents would be cool either with the larger quarters or the smaller dorm-style quarters. So, you know, I guess both have positives uh, there. And then lastly, Pete, a comfy chair with the dock Sad emoji. Got 15.6%. Some replies here. Andre Yeager, Dr. Apollo 1983. I really love the writing on this show. They seem to be showcasing a different crew member each week while tackling the mission of the week. Great character development. Keep it coming. Uh, and then we hear from JTA is me, which uh, let's see. He quote tweeted. Let's go back to this. Pete. We'll go back in time. Start date April 22nd, 2019. JTA is me said to us, I'm standing by my story that years ago, it was said that number one's name is number one because she's from a planet that gen- genetically engineers their kids. And she was the most perfect child of her birth year. Hashtag mark my words. In any case, Una is a great <laughs> name. So now, Pete, let's advance in the timeline. Hang on,
1: I need to make my YouTube railing against his uh theory.
0: <laughs> uh let's advance to the last week where JT says, I don't want to gloat, but oh wait, yes I do. I don't predict stories very well, but please to see below my 2019 tweet about Una's name/origins. I hope more episodes further support my remembered theory from the Trek novels. Um and the ads with best regards to all fantastic geeks. Uh, and friends, hashtag Stranger New Worlds, go Una. So there we go, some enthusiastic uh, Una uh, folks there. Um, and continuing here, we, uh, we hear from James the Sagacious, that's at Big kill on Twitter. A great mix of standalone Mission of the Week and deep character development. Uh, next, we hear from Make It So, that's at KCLYLE1 on Twitter. The Mysteries are some of my favorite uh, Trek episodes. And we got a con mention uh given what just happened in picard i hope this is brought up again really i really love the ship design especially engineering really loving the show so far we hear from spider ham lincoln tess lc 139 what a wonderfully engaging and mysterious story with serious moral undertones weaved throughout we've had the tried and true crew infected by virus story that many iterations of trek have dealt with at least once Naked early time. on, too, it's yeah. always a staple. Early on, um, he mentions Naked Time, Naked Now, Genesis, Babel, to name a few. I'll add to that, Pete. Kind of mid tweet here from Spider Ham Lincoln.
1: Enterprise did one very early as well.
0: The the I know that for Naked Now, the TNG one, the observation was, yes, it's kind of like a remake of of a classic trek and beloved classic trek episode but because everybody is so crazy it's a chance to show a bunch of people dealing with things that are not normally their own for example mm-hmm. card's not supposed to wonder why beverly's uh uniform zipper is slowly declining <laughs> and so forth like he's not comfortable with that but he's yeah. kind of still like it, it's a way to illuminate characters so yeah. anyhow back to spider ham lincoln And we got an intimate look at Una Chin Riley's origin, which was beautifully told over the span of the episode and not crudely plunked down in our lap. Sci fi premise included. Uh, Other highlights for me were Dr. Mbenga's parental dilemma, Laan's internal struggle with her heritage, and any scene with Chief Hammer. Nitpick Start date 2259.41 for episode 1, start date 2912.4 for episode 2, and start date 1224.3 for episode 3. What's going on with these dates? On uh, JT Adkins replies, I do remember. Uh, do I remember properly that star dates were completely random in TOS? Uh, if so, then we're staying consistent, which uh, I would wholeheartedly agree with. Pete, last tweet here is from single since Obama. That's at uh, Kylie G three two eight. This show is so dope. <laughs> three episodes in, and this is becoming my favorite of the new Treks. I screamed what when Una picked up Hemmer. And the Mbenga storyline right at the end choked me up. And yeah. Captain Pike, handsome as ever.
1: <laughs> he is, especially when you pass by him and he tells you thanks for coming at the premiere there. Matt um, to Facebook, we go where Victor Ni Tho Hing, I hope I'm saying that correctly. Uh, writes in to the fantastic geek facebook page hi guys regarding episode three ghosts of illyria i wasn't very happy with the reveal of number one being an illyrian aka a quote unquote superhero i think giving a character such an open-ended power set can lead to a lot of lazy writing essentially you have a story character with super strength a turbocharged immune system And who know what other convenient genetic gifts might be revealed in future stories just in time to solve the crisis of the week. I think he said, who knows? I think that's what he meant. Basically, the writers have made number one into a Mary Sue character, giving her all these new superior abilities without any apparent weaknesses makes her a less relatable character. Creativity loves constraint. I hope Laon also doesn't end up revealing latent augmentations, making her strong due to her past ordeals and survival coping mechanisms to develop a personality of sheer grit is much more appealing. Well, Pete, my response would be this. Um,
0: The story can put any character in a box whenever they need to that's one of the handy things of sci-fi i think of like you know who was this tng character who could always open a stuck door it was data well if you need that door to remain stuck for story reasons data's not going on the mission this time or the the b plot is data's getting his positronic net scanned so therefore he's not going on the mission similarly i mean look una doesn't get sick and she's unhumanly strong i don't know that these are necessarily you know superman type story problems and even in superman the reason kryptonite was created was to go whoa we need to back off all this great power so you know the next ion storm whatever that might be that can be the thing that sidelines number one um away from the situation where otherwise she'd be able to lift giant boulders or whatever it might be
1: I think that they've created the situation where Illyrians are outlawed that some people are knowledgeable of her secret and obviously it's not a crew wide reveal. Tamps down the, Oh, and then my augmentation took over. Is it a concern? It is. And you know, we're going to know if it's lazily, used for the setup and the reveal here it wasn't if anything it it created those additional story hurdles that it passed through um like we discussed in the previous segment you know you do need to unpack what this episode is saying about eugenics it is not making a Blanket, this is positive, and those people were misunderstood. So here are all your blonde, blue-eyed people or whatever, you know, things you're going to deem desirable versus not. We're definitely scientifically in a place where we're closer to that. And, you know, great care and attention has to be put towards the very careful and ethical application of those sciences
0: i would add to it too it the 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 story answer may be in the situation already she needs to keep this a secret yes there's certain people who know and so forth but when that boulder falls on you know whomever falls on ortegas look i have no doubt that number one in that clunky situation she would move in and save the day but like you know you could see situations where it's like oh no clark kent can't show his powers here we need to figure out another solution um so definitely pete one to keep an eye on any other uh unlike the ion uh storm but i digress pete any other feedback on your end
1: to apple Podcasts, matt where we have a review left by chair nelson 99 uh, Great Strand New Worlds podcast. We definitely do not have a podcast dedicated to the uh, the character on uh, Fear of the Walking Dead. I think they meant Strange New World and maybe an uh, autocorrect situation. But five stars, and it reads, Listen to Matt and Pete recap and geek out about the latest Star Trek series. They are knowledgeable, funny, and fill in the gaps. They uh that may have been missed without spoiling anything a great addition to your star trek voyage
0: thank you for those kind words oh so appreciated uh i know it takes extra effort to leave those uh those apple podcast reviews but uh you know it not only does it tickle the fancies of myself and Pete, but also uh you know helps other people find the podcast which i know is the tried and true thing but it really really is the case With that, Pete, we'll roll on into the the Gmail inbox here. First one is from Diana B., uh, who uh, was listening to our Strange New Worlds Episode 2 podcast. Uh, It says, uh, you had mentioned a good book about Christopher Pike. Which book were you referring to? When I looked for the book, I found four about Captain Pike. Uh, Thanks for all that you guys do. Uh, Indeed, Pete, I remember last week, I could not remember the title of it, so I replied to her, I did a little, little digging. The name of the book is The Enterprise War, However, it is technically listed as a Star Trek Discovery book. Indeed, the Amazon link, I won't read every little last bit. The Amazon link is, you know, with dashes and so forth. But it's Star Trek Discovery Enterprise book slash, you know, blah, blah, blah. So The Enterprise War, I think it's John Jackson Miller. A good book, not a great book. Um, but if you want more Pike, if you want more of Pike's Enterprise and number one and Spock and all that, uh, it's the, the one to go for. Next up, Pete, we hear from Stacy. That's uh, Stingray, a.k.a. TrekGirl88 on Twitter, uh, whose thoughts are so wonderful that she sends them in via email. Hi, Matt and Pete. Phew, hearing Matt's lead-in to last week's email where he says, and Stacy's wise thoughts, all I could come up with for this week's episode of Strange New Worlds was, uh, was the landing party gear designed by Harley Davidson? (laughs) Um, uh, Pete, look, we've been to many Comic-Con-type things before, and I know the first time I saw that somebody had had made in leather uh, Wolverine's jacket, whether it was screen, you know, similar to what's on screen, or a leather interpretation of the the the, the comics outfit, I was like, "That's really cool." I'd never wear that, uh, that's really cool. Oh, the four hundred dollars. Uh, definitely, that's too expensive for me. Uh, put a price tag on the landing gear jacket. Maybe with the patch, maybe without. I might consider it at a certain price point. So whoever did design it, which I think is the you know the costume department, uh, it's cool stuff. Back to Stacey here. Seriously, though, thank you for the compliment and for your thoughtful response to my comments last week concerning Uhura's backstory. I was thinking about it more after I heard your thoughts. And without going very deep, there's at least one character on every Star Trek show with some element of family trauma in their background. And there was more in this episode dr mbenga is keeping his daughter in the pattern buffer to halt her illness i don't want to call it lazy writing because the rest of what they're doing uh, on these shows is so good and it could be said that most of us have complicated relationships with our families and we suffer loss at some point so maybe it's realistic but uh, now i've noticed it it sticks out every time all that said another enjoyable episode Every part of the ship is absolutely gorgeous, as were the effects of the ion storm on Illyria. I continue to be distracted by the height of Anton Mount's hair. <laughs> um, Spock and Pike are great foils for each other. Pike pacing because he feels helpless and his, and taking his frustration out on Spock. Who knows exactly what the captain is doing, so calls him uh, on it. Pete, uh, I'll pause Stacy's words for a moment and just say, I think that is a benefit of having characters who have worked together for... Sometime, and I'm not saying whether that's good or bad I just think back to season one of Next Generation where it's like Picard and Riker just met in the first episode and Picard likes Riker's resume, but what do you mean Riker you don't want me beaming down uh tension as opposed to hey I'm gonna make fun of my boss because my boss shouldn't be doing this and I can call him in on it because we survived the events in the Enterprise war by John Jackson Miller and all of that see it's all connected. Back to Stacy's email here. Illyrians trying to de-enhance themselves so they could join, she says Starfleet, I think it was the okay. Federation, and then maybe join Starfleet, yeah. was a cool concept, and I look forward to seeing how Number One's Revelation plays out. Also looking forward to what character gets a deep dive next week. As always, looking forward to your thoughts. Uh, that's Stacy, aka Stingray, aka TrekGirl88, with the PS. I remember that as I was typing this, a former survivor would call me o oh, wise one. When she needed something from me, so I guess I'm still earning that moniker. Pete, she Stacy has earned the moniker of O
1: Wise One, okay? Thank you again, Stacy. And now let's hear from Admiral Fred in the Netherlands.
2: Hello, Matt and Pete and all listeners to Fantastic Geek. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Star Trek Strange New Worlds season one, episode three. Nice episode, typical Star Trek theme, being the outcast, in this case number one, but still saving everybody. So big theme of prejudice and trying to get rid of that. And it's not even about a secondary character, but one of the let's say big three lead characters of the show. There was a nice interview with Rebecca Romijn in the ready room where she tells that the topic being an Illyrian will come back in the rest of the season. I really wonder how much of her genetics alteration will be explained or will reveal. But because in the so-called eugenics wars a lot of genetic manipulation went wrong. So what went wrong with the Illyrians? all being addicted to something or more of more or more and more of the crew getting affected and addicted to really classic TOS team. In this case, light very nicely played out here as well. I think the energy creatures on the planet was a little weak. So nice episode will be all for this time. Greetings. All the best. Fred from the Netherlands. Pete, the Admiral this week, uh, Directly wondering,
0: and I know this was kind of hinted at by some other feedback that we heard, but uh, wondering directly if number one will be ascribed more powers in future stories this season. Uh, What do you think?
1: I mean, Fred's got a dog in this fight in that Rebecca Romaine is, uh, you know, uh, Dutch by heritage. Uh, Will they make her and by extension him and partially me? Uh, more superior i i think they'll do everything in in keeping with story
0: fred reflecting too on the presence of the energy creatures which um it's interesting that they are the villains of the subplot but you know not baddies so again we kind of for the the great threat this episode is some people get kind of sick um but however it doesn't feel like it's less of a baddie than last week's you know giant ship is going to shoot lots of things at us
1: and how frequently it's misunderstanding um, as a mode of storytelling with the misdirection
0: pete no misunderstanding that our appreciation overfloweth when it comes to those who go to patreon.com fantastic geek helping keep us listeners supported even as we start to spin up the old warp core here ahead of a very busy June.
1: Everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content, all sorts of levels to choose from. The just takes a dollar a month to get you in that door. So go to patreon.com slash fantastic geek. Can't contribute right now go to apple Podcasts, leave us a rating in seconds or a review in just a little while longer to any of our 30 podcast feeds strange new worlds we're getting some more could always use more uh kenobi could definitely use some miss marvel as we're getting closer to the debut dates of those pete let's keep the star
0: trek conversation going how can people be in touch with you on twitter
1: you can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-A-T-L-R-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 12,458 followers. Can't be wrong.
0: And while I'm personally on Twitter is looking back lost, do me touch the podcast, comment on fantasticgeek.com, check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are fantasticgeek as well, but maybe there's more.
1: Facebook.com slash fantasticgeek with a P-H, all one word, like it today
0: for those listening on the pop culture podcast feed you have a kenobi preview coming and then our coverage for kenobi episodes one and two all before we talk star trek Strange new worlds episode 104 next sunday if you're here just for star trek we'll be back on star trek sunday to see what happens to Laam, apparently next week with that pete i will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word
1: i am arming us with knowledge